Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Be There in Five podcast. I'm Kate Kennedy, your host, author of Twinkle Twinkle Social Media Star, an internet fairy tale of fame, fortune, and followers, where I reimagine the world of social media to be overtaken by nursery rhyme characters on their fake social network called Once Upon a Timeline, and through characters like Little Red Riding Hood taking OOTDs, or Little Miss Muffet hawking curds and whey protein after getting kicked off The Bachelor, or Goldilocks's dating app, Goldilocking It Down. I have a mother bear teach a baby bear the art of social media through these characters in a joking parody way. It's irreverent, it's fun, it's lighthearted, it's ultimately heartwarming, and it's a perfect coffee table gift, baby shower gift, everything gift, and I really would love if you bought it. (laughs) I I was like, I'm going to get out my name and beg people to buy my book in under one minute, and I did that in 52 seconds, so you know, for those of you that listen to that every week, God bless. Um, I'm also the host of this podcast, a founder and owner of a company called Be There in Five, best known for inventing the Remind Doormat, which are doormats that see you on your way out instead of on your way in, with phrases like turn off your straightener, turn off your curling iron, reminder list, keys, phone, wallet, bring your lunch, turn off your straightener, whatever. We do it all. And that's kind of Be There in Five, the company's claim to fame, named after my tendency to run behind. I wanted to name my company like a salute a salute to one of my biggest flaws and a tongue-in-cheek representation of not having to be perfect. I think that we all put a lot of pressure on ourselves and the be there in five ways to kind of just be like, you know what, I'm doing my best and everybody else is too. You know, there's my be there in five spiel. The people that listen to this podcast weekly are probably like, oh my God, remind our mats, we get it. But I never know if there's new people coming on, especially if you're a follower of merit and not of me. And, you know, just want to give you the rundown of why I'm here. And did I self-appoint myself a podcast host? Yeah. Do I have any sort of professional affiliation or, or good reason or invitation to be using this as a platform to give you my highly editorialized and rarely factual opinions on celeb gossip and current events and pop culture and the 90s, 2000s zeitgeist? No, no, absolutely not. Nobody asked for this, but here I am. <laughs> and I, I mean, I get I, over a year later... Over 60 episodes later, hundreds of thousands of downloads later, here we are, and I have the best audience in the entire world who lives for a deep dive, who lives for an analytical approach to a superficial topic. I love to have mindful discussions about mindless topics, and that what this, that's what this podcast is all about, and today is no different, though I actually would not call the Royals mindless. My husband would disagree. The, the peanut gallery over here is every time I talk about the Royals, he's like, well, the taxpayer dollars. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. Um, they, they, they also in, contribute greatly to the economy. Like that Royal Archie, who was born like a week ago, he, he's already projected to like contribute over a billion dollars to the UK's economy. And I'm like, how? Through like those mugs that are like, welcome, baby Archie? Like, I don't know, like, they're those miniature Union Jack flags that they sell outside the crowds of people behind the banister that wait for, like, days to just get Harry or Meghan to wave at them, which, like, I'm a fan, but I wouldn't go that far. I cannot imagine telling, like, my little kid, Timmy, take off school for two days. We're going to go camp outside just to get one look at a passing carriage going 20 miles per hour so the future seventh in line to the throne could maybe wave at us. Like, what? No. I don't get out of bed unless it's for like a VIP meet and greet. I don't like situations of like mob fans. It makes me feel sad because I'm like, I know I'm never going to meet them or be their best friend. And even in the few times I've met famous people, it's almost disappointing because you walk away and you're like, well, we'll never talk again. You know, it's like a really meaningful experience to you, but it's not to the other person. That's how I felt when I met Hillary Duff at a shopping mall. 
but maybe she was less interested because I asked her how like Gordo was doing. It's kind of like when my friend uh, Maria and I saw Jane Lynch out to dinner and told her that her we thought another Cinderella story was her finest work. <laughs> like, we're such losers. She laughed really hard, though. I don't think we were kidding. Like, I don't think I was, like, going in for a celebrity zinger. I think that truly, that's the only thing I could think she was in besides Glee. And I was kind of trying to give her, you know, an alternate from her body of work. Because, you know, if I saw Jennifer Aniston, I wouldn't be like, Rachel Green. I'd be like, Polly. You want people to feel justified in their body of work. And uh, you don't always pick the best role. It's kind of like, I think Adam Sandler's best movie is Mr. Deeds. Everybody vehemently disagrees with me, but I really like that movie. I think it's sweet. And it's Winona, is it pre or post, you know, grand theft larceny at a Macy's? I forget. Anyway, um, today we are talking all things royal, all things Meghan Markle, Will and Kate and Harry and the firm, as I love to call them. Um... With Merritt Beck of Style Scribe and of Sussex Style Watch, she's a super successful blogger, an incredible content creator, a just all-around awesome person that I think is one of the rare influencers that you leave their feed feeling better, you feel your day has been added to, she adds value, she does something unique, and she is just as much of a Royals diehard as I am. And above that, an awesome person. I loved her. Like, we went... We recorded for like three hours, and then um, later that night we went back out to dinner and talked for like several more more hours. I could have talked to her forever. She's amazing, and I'm always excited when you know you think you connect with people that you, you vaguely know their personality over the internet, but that doesn't always pan out. And I always even love when people exceed my expectations. So, Merritt, thank you so so much for doing this with me. It was a blast. You added so much to the conversation to beyond anything I could have talked to myself about. And um, I just was, it was so much fun because I don't know anybody that's as into this stuff as I am. And we probably could have gone four hours. Uh, but for your benefit, I cut it down into two parts, each an, about an hour and 15. They're both really good and both, believe it or not, about completely different things. So I hope you love these episodes. It's kind of a good balance of, we both have read a lot about the royals and the royal family and have background. We both studied kind of Megan over the past year and what she wore. And we also both have a lot to say and to muse about, if you will, about just the the, incre- the role she's in, the pressure she, she's under, how her background plays into it, how her horrible family plays into it, how, you know, all, all of the decisions she makes regarding her clothes are so specific and what they mean and why are they tailored so bad? And we talk about her and Kate and Will and Harry's rift, if there is one, an affair, if there is one. We talk about that wedding dress and that the veil. I will never forgive Jessica Mulroney's twins for not properly fanning. We talk about her first year of duties, her cradling her bump, that the announcement of Archie. Did she use a surrogate? Some of the scandals and conspiracies people talk about. We weigh in on the name. We weigh in on if we think she throws a fit and is a diva. And I mean, truly, every single little topic that comes up has come up about her in the past couple of years we cover. And uh, whether we think it's valid or not, because you guys asked. And I know, like, some of the questions, you know, about, like, surrogacy and the affair, like, are so, they're so... um at times baseless and whatever, but they're still out there. And you asked, I didn't want to like, just not address them. So we do talk through some controversial topics, just a heads up, but we're not experts. This is all allegedly, we are not journalists. But as I always say, I think sometimes the credentials we're missing in more formal news content are are people that are students of culture, are 
experts in the field of life are people that can present a perspective of the other side of all the people absorbing this information. And I try to be neutral, even though I I'm sure I don't succeed, but I think that's why podcasts are fun is because we can have fun with the information and we don't have to tiptoe. So I hope you like our, our take on everything. And if you are also a Royals lover and you're new to this podcast, go back in my episodes. I want to say it's like episode 14. I wrote a poem for Meghan Markle as my wedding gift to her. (laughs) And um, you can kind of tell it's quick. It's like 15 minutes, not the whole poem. It's like a mini episode and the poem. And it's funny because listening to it now, you can see how much my tone has changed toward her. Because at the time, I I was I kind of was like, I don't know. I, I thought her being an actress and like, I thought she was really gunning for the role. Her The engagement interview, as you'll hear us talk about, just drove me so insane. I was, I think, a little bit jealous as a person that, you know, grew up, you know, wanting to have a Mia Thermopolis type sitch. But, you know, I just was, I've been busy lately. I don't think Harry like knew I was out there. But, you know, I'm happy for her now. And I've since I've since completely turned around. I always knew the potential she had and I always knew what she would mean to the world and how important a a figure that is as articulate as she is and has a diverse background and that has past experience, relationships, career or otherwise has made mistakes. I thought I always knew she was a a great um, in great contrast to Kate in all the right ways and what the monarchy needed to modernize, to move forward, and to inspire generations to look at princesses in a different way. But at the time, I was, like, very hung up on her, like, being a dealer, no deal girl, which is so rude now that I think about it. But, like, I one of the first few lines are, like, in 2017, when the news was really lacking a sparkle, what a blessing it was to be introduced to Ms. Meghan Markle. When I was a young girl, I figured I wasn't in the running to marry, none other than his royal red-headed highness, Prince Harry. I thought he required an aristocrat, a royal, a duchess of York. Little did I know all he needed was the holder, a briefcase 24, a fresh blowout in a dream. Who knew you could start with Howie Mandel to become the world's biggest celebrity, the ball's newest bell. But I'm not bitter at all, not the least bit resentful, to now watch her on the throne instead of cable at 9-8 Central. I mean, like, like, yikes, (laughs) just because she was on the USA Network? characters unwelcome for me clearly like yikes and i was really annoyed by the engagement story at the time which nobody talks about now because so much else has happened with the, with the chicken I, I like the roast chicken just drove me absolutely insane um but i will read you the last part because it's my favorite part and it is more favorable toward her and i think it still captures what she's dealing with with her family and how important she is and just kind of my overall thoughts toward her shift from kind of being like C-ish list and largely ignored to now being largely revered. And I just think the entire arc of her celebrity and public persona is, is so fascinating. And then I'll toss it off to the episode. But, you know, for I guess, you know, just personally, it's hard for me to put so much effort into a poem that I only got to read once. <laughs> so to to send you off into the episode, I'll start by saying I welcome her age, diversity, her strong voice for women. Whether she's fighting Procter & Gamble or roasting a chicken, I wish her the best. I hope she has a partner and is never alone. I hope she prioritizes her well-being more than Diana could on the throne. I hope little girls look up to her instead of thinking, wow, I could marry a prince, you see? They think I can have a past, a life, a career, and when I find love, it not be held against me. Because if she really was randomly off her feet just swept, there's something magical about her life's trajectory, her being unprepped. Can you imagine the feeling of auditioning with constant rejection, 
a failed marriage, estranged family, to then a $40 million reception? Above all else, I hope we can channel how good it would feel to incite all the people that turned you down now turning to you for an invite. But this poem's TBD. We've not yet even seen the marriage. I will watch with bated breath this weekend as she rides in her carriage, thinking of what it's like to have the world's eyes on you, to be adored from afar, but your own father can't come through, to know your life will forever change. You now have a title, a moniker, to the world you're high society, but inside it, you're a commoner. Most importantly, when she's up at the altar, I'll know what she's thinking about up there, that she's living out the plot of her future Hallmark movie, likely starring Lacey Chabert. Enjoy! Right, so I'm sitting here with Merritt Beck. Hello. Influencer, <laughs> blogger extraordinaire, fellow Meghan Markle, super fan. Yep. And we are in Dallas today, and I'm so happy to meet you in person. I am too. You are, we were just talking about this, but basically my first internet friend that I met on the internet and a meeting in real life. I feel like every other person I've met has been somebody I met first and then followed later. Yes, but, that's an interesting point, actually. Yeah. So. And I have to tell you, and I don't say this to everybody, I can, since I am smaller in size, I can see when somebody tags me in like a story, how engaged their following is, because I notice how many people come over, right? Yeah. And there are people with 500 plus thousand who like three people will stagger in. Interesting. Your following is so incredibly engaged and nice. And the first time you talked about me in a story, I don't like, like hundreds of people like were coming over and they're like, I found you through merit. And they were all so wonderful. I love hearing that. And <laughs> I just think it's like, I think everybody's audience, even though it seems like a cluttered space is very uniquely different. And I don't know, I'm being totally honest. Yours has been pleasant and highly engaged. And so I love that we have some overlap. Which... I'm so glad to hear it. And yeah, I mean, every, when I mentioned it yesterday that I was going to be on your podcast, people were freaking out. So awesome. they love you. They love your conspiracy theories with Taylor Swift. <laughs> um, okay. Well, I guess second of all, I want people to know a little bit more about you and your background and style scribe and kind of like how you got started blogging. And like, if you can like quickly summarize, I, we're the same age. Post-college, like kind of how'd you get here? All right. So I went to SMU in Dallas, graduated in 2009, and pretty much just jumped right into whatever job was available at the time because the economy was crap. Mm -hmm. And so I went into marketing and sales for an outsourcing company, which at the time I was like, what the F is that? I didn't even know what it was. Now I feel like it's commonplace in every single industry. Everyone outsources something. Um, and so I did that for about a year. It was boring, but I learned a lot, like lots of cold calls. I started their email marketing. I started their Twitter page. That was when Twitter was like the big and thing. And people were like <laughs> panicking, like, what is this? We need to be on Yes, this, this was before Instagram. Right. I mean, it was, it was a different time. Um, and then I moved to Houston briefly and actually worked for a PR company down there and did their social media marketing. And still, Instagram was not a thing. I basically helped create campaigns for Facebook, for Twitter, email marketing for brands like Imperial Sugar. Um, I then worked at Reliant Energy doing the same thing. And then somewhere in there, I think it was still when I was working at the PR company is when I started my blog. I had just gone through a breakup. I was in Houston and I had friends there, but it wasn't my people. It wasn't. So I sort of felt like I, I don't know, I was sort of in a place where I didn't feel confident about going out and I don't know, trying to 
do things in Houston. Yeah, right. <laughs> so I needed something to fill my time. And so I started the blog as a hobby. And at the time it was brace yourself. It was called Manolos and Martinis was the original <laughs> blog name. That's so like um shame sign of the times shame. though. It, it, it very cupcakes and cashmere, like oh, yeah. alliteration and blank and blank was all the rage. And I would have done the exact same thing. It was been NyQuil and chocolate milk. It was bad. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, and I had it that way. I think I had that name for a little over a year, but when I started making money, I was like, this could be a mistake because of yeah. Manolo's being in the name. Did you have Manolo's and did you drink martinis? Uh, actually, I don't know if I had Manolo's, but I <laughs> did drink. I've always drank martinis, so that made sense. But, but to be fair, Damsel and Dior did say when she started Damsel and Dior, she did not own Dior. So it makes me feel a little bit better I mean, that that was my Carrie name. Bradshaw lied. I mean, like yeah. so many people have a thing in their name and I love them and they it it. It's, I think there's, it's tough because you start and you build something and it's hard to rebrand. Yeah. Turn and it, on it becomes head. less about what it is literally and more that it's just like your name. Right. And, but I do think it's funny because yeah, at that time it was kind of more like, I don't know, a sex in the city era of brands, which we kind of aren't in right now. Totally. So you're very smart yes. to do a rebrand. <laughs> so <laughs> the name change was not difficult. It was figuring out a name that I actually liked. Um, mm. And I don't hate my name now. I don't think it's bad, but I still feel like I have to describe it to people because not everybody knows what a scribe is, which is basically like a writer. I mean, right. old timey wise, but from like, uh, what would they say that? Um, from your. <laughs> the days of your. <laughs> the days of your. <laughs> or like medical scribes. In yeah. every surgery, there's a scribe. Right. So, and I feel like maybe I don't pronounce it right when I'm talking, but I'm like, or maybe I say it too fast, but people are always like, what is it, honey? <laughs> I don't know what I'm saying. Um, but I've kept, I've stuck with it. I, I like it. And I don't know. I feel like people know me more by my name because that's my Instagram handle. Right. So it doesn't really bother me that I have a separate name from that. But um, anyway, it's also smart to have your real name be your handle, by the way. I think a lot of bloggers are starting to do that because you want to be known for your name more so than your blog name or brand name. But <laughs> first I want to say too, I think I just always want to like commend people who I think are at the top of your, their game. I, you are so, such an incredible content creator. And I really mean that like, you're so consistent. Everything is so aesthetically pleasing. You give so much to the people that follow you. and when you were telling me you get like difficult DMs, I'm like, I just, I see you as an influencer that's very generous with her time, her like personal info with her content. And I just think you, a lot of people feel like influencers take more from them than they give, whether it's making them feel bad about themselves or trying to get them to buy a product. And there needs to be a balance, right? And I think you have mastered the art. And I just, I don't know, I find you to be very impressive in a industry that is very easily critiqued and very easy to like mold into a hate follow. I just think you do a good job. Thank you. And I really mean that. <laughs> I really appreciate it because like you said, it's really hard, especially in this industry because it is so saturated now um, to stand out. And I actually got a question on a Q and A I did on Insta stories a couple weeks ago, of somebody asking how I felt like I was, um, how I was different, like what mm -hmm. made me worth following um, that set me apart from other bloggers. And honestly, it's hard to say now because 
everyone's doing it. Literally, mm-hmm. there's no barrier to entry. Anyone and their mom could do it. Like it's it's really an easy job as long as you work hard and right. And I'm you cannot work hard and be successful, which is I guess what pisses me off about this industry <laughs> because right. I I work a lot. But um I don't know. It's just it's nice to hear cuz it's you do get difficult DMs. It doesn't matter what industry you're in. I mean Look at the royals. Look at celebrities. Right. Look at I don't know. I'm, Kim Kardashian's a terrible example, but I'm sure she gets a ton of hate. Yeah, and the second you start to do something right or popular, people are people mad are going to target and you. Yeah. And the, of course, the bigger you are, the more hate you get. So I guess I should be a little grateful. That my <laughs> my audience hasn't ballooned to whatever a million followers. Although yes, and so I I turned it on its head and I was like, why don't you tell me? You're the ones who are following yes. me. Like I don't know what sets me apart. Like I'm just doing me. I hope that the people who are follow or following me enjoy following me. But I mean, at this point, I feel like it's really hard to differentiate yourself. And what I got back was that my work ethic and commitment to sharing a ton of great content versus just like crappy blog posts that like have two sentences in them or, right. or going dark. terrible grammar or not posting for 10 days, inconsistency, whatever it is that other people do, they don't get that from me. They get consistency. They get quality content. And that was so nice to hear. Yeah. Like I, I'm not a crier. I'm not a very emotional person, <laughs> but if I were, if I were, I would have cried. You're such a three, an emotional overachiever. I really am y'all. The Enneagram, take it if you haven't. It's eye opening. Okay, so you're you aside from Style Scribe, you also about I think a year ago and change started Sussex Style Watch. Okay, so I I actually started another site first called a Detailed Destination in I want to say May. It was after Jess and I went to Japan. Okay, for the second time and travel so, itineraries. Yes, yes. Um, but in it was right before the royal tour. It was very strategic for me <laughs> to do that it, to Royal launch Tour in in Australia in October. Yeah, that's oh when I launched God. it. I launched it like the week You're before, killing it. That or maybe maybe the week of. I can't remember exactly, but yeah, it's only been about six months. Um, so I launched it right before then, and it was sort of impulsive again with my impulsive <laughs> tendencies. But I just I don't know. I sort of found. I wasn't getting what I wanted from the sites that we're talking about Megan's fashion. Mm. So I was like, you know what? If they're not going to do it right, why shouldn't I? Totally. <laughs> like, I should give it a shot. It's kind of an so. early adopter, to be honest. Like, it's not like there were too many sites about Megan. Right. I mean, there are, I'm sure, a ton of fan sites. But as far as, like, linking to her outfits, sure, magazines do it. They're not super thorough, though. They'll do, like, one article about the outfit and then forget about mm-hmm. it and never talk about it again. Um, and half the stuff she wears you can't buy or it's over two thousand dollars like who's gonna spend that so i feel like there was kind of a missing a missing link Mm -hmm. there for me as somebody who wanted to see what she was wearing and shop what she was wearing but not necessarily buy the exact thing or the stuff that i was seeing was really bad bad dupes like people were linking (laughs) to stuff that i would never wear right like just ugly rep uh, versions of what she's right. wearing. And I, I guess as a fashion blogger, pride myself on the quality of pieces I link to, not just, not just like nice pieces, but taste level, like just the right. way they look. 
Like the shoes can look clunky. I don't know. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, like these Rothies are out of stock, but here's a Dr. Scholl's right. alternative. Right. <laughs> like there's a certain taste level that I have come to want to expect from other bloggers because mm-hmm. I am a blogger. And I just could not find that in the other sites that I know about mm-hmm. Megan's style. Love so that. that's why I did that. <laughs> so, what, where, where and how did your interest, fascination with Royals or Megan specifically start? So, I've always enjoyed following the Royals. And I remember watching Kate's wedding to Prince William, but I think. Mostly because I loved the show Suits, and I loved Megan on Suits. Oh, really? Yes. I don't hear that often. I I think she was good on the I've show. I've watched it. <laughs> I'm maybe the only person, but I thought she was good, and I really liked her and Mike Ross. Like, I love them together uh, on the show. I think it's a great show if you haven't watched it. Give it a shot, especially if you're a royal fan. Um, but also, I mean, it piqued an interest because she's American. She's... I'm sorry, way more relatable than Kate will ever be. It's like Kate was sort of groomed to be in this position. Yeah. She went to school with Prince William. Like, mm-hmm. her parents knew what they were doing, sending her to a really fancy school. Do you think that? Maybe. See, yeah. I don't think that, I don't think. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Don't hate me for that comment. But, I mean, when this is what irritates me about when people, like, call Megan a social climber. Sure. I'm sorry. Anyone who's trying to marry a prince is a social climber. There is, there is no other way. But like, who's not one? Right. That is the worst (laughs) argument anyone could give me though. I'm like, yes, of course she is. She's an actress. She wants to marry Prince Harry. I want to marry Prince Harry. Right. Of course. I'm a social climber. Like everyone is a social climber who wants to marry into the royal family. There is, there's right. no exception to that rule. Life is making connections. Right. And I think you can call it networking or you can call it social climbing. Right. And in a romantic sense, it's like, yeah, that's pretty appealing. Yeah. I don't know. I, that argument, I don't like. I don't feel Fair. like it's a worthy one. Um, but I do think that there are things about Megan, aside from like, like I said before, Kate being groomed. I don't think she was actually groomed for the role. But, I mean, she she was put in a position to be in school with him very early on. Very expensive private schools, a an upper-class family. She was probably going to marry someone in that elite it, set. It, yes, she was already in society. When people right. call her that's a commoner, I mean. I'm like, that's a hilarious term because it, 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 it seems so, like, royal or common or nothing in between i'm like there is a gray area yeah. that we need to qualify <laughs> right she's a step above what we would consider yes. commoners and Whereas, very aware of british protocol and hierarchy which exactly. is what megan doesn't have right and megan is in, like i said just more relatable in that she's had kind of a checkered past like not all of the photos of her are that flattering Photos of me certainly aren't all that flattering. I was heavier a few years ago, and those are all over the inter- internet. There's nothing I can do about it. Like right. there She's are had things roles in her that past. are like not great. Yeah, yeah. like the deal or no deal, and or like, the pilot of nine hundred two zero. Have you seen that? No, but that I, one is. It, she's literally giving a guy head. Oh, I know. I swear the queens, the queens had it scraped from the internet. But when I saw that, I was like, oh my god, like. To think that in 2011 or whatever, she needed a role so bad that she, she was she, doing she that. She was doing that for yeah. 20 seconds. And then when she probably got that role, she was like, this is the best it's going to get. And that's why I kind of like love her story because I want to live like, I don't know that what's coming later right. in life. I could have 
such a big global impact or such a make so much of my life. And like, I probably won't but like, why not believe? But like <laughs> taking it back to sort of the influencer thing, people are always going to tell you that what you're doing is embarrassing or wrong or not cool or talk crap about you. And so I don't know her. She had a work ethic. She was trying to go somewhere with her career. Mm -hmm. And if you look at a ton of other actresses, she's not the only one. She's just the only one who's being blasted for it. Right. So it's just that sort of makes me sad a little bit because, yes, she's an actress. Like, yes, her maybe career of choice wouldn't have been what the royal family wanted. But, like, she's human. Like, everybody else, she wanted to be in a career. She worked really hard to do it. She did get a good role, mm -hmm. Suits. But she had a couple, you know, not so not so favorable things happen. Right. She also has a crazy ass family. Yeah. And yeah. who cannot relate to that? Right. Literally everybody. Right. Someone's got something on you who's gonna capitalize on your fame. Right. That would happen to anybody. But just just the idea of like family drama. I mean, we all have things like that. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like that makes her more human in my book. Like I totally. love Kate. I am totally team both as Elizabeth Holmes says. Yeah. I love her by the way. She's so fun to follow, but I love Kate too. I just, I, my interest was piqued by Megan because she's an American marrying a British prince, which who hasn't dreamed? Of I mean, being, yeah. Dreamt of doing that. Like I, I certainly did when I lived in London in 2015 of course I was looking for Prince Harry. Like, right, who wasn't? Right. If I had seen him at a bar, you better believe I would have tried that. Right. But I don't know. I just, I, I really enjoy the relatability. She is, she's not perfect. She's a human being like everybody else. Her outfits aren't always stellar. Her choices aren't always stellar. I mean, just under, my, under a microscope here. Right. It's, it's a shame. I think part of her, um, part of the unicorn aspect, though, that, and, and here's the thing: we don't know if the if the Queen and Co. the firm, as they call them, yes. I love I calling them the hysterical. firm. It's the best. I don't know if they actually do resent that she's an actress, but my argument would be that the a like B C list actress is actually the perfect slate for that role because you're media trained, exactly, and you are a by profession used to being observed. She is such a good speaker she is so well spoken so good she knows how to hold herself i mean people will be like she's obviously posing when she's like walking out holding her hands in front of her stomach this was before she was pregnant she's always walked like that because she knows how she looks in right. front of a camera i try to do that i'm not very good at it right. but as a blogger i've obviously learned my poses i do that too <laughs> i'm not a royal but like if you know the best way to present yourself, you're going to do it because right. you know that eyes are on you. And so some may say, oh, she's such she's like so full of shit or she's acting or whatever. And maybe that's true. But like, that's her role. Like she has to look a certain way. She has to look pristine and proper and follow all the rules and not say anything out of turn. And luckily, she knows exactly how to do that. Right. So in that, right. And it's a double edged sword. I think for the, those of you on the other side of the spectrum to play devil's advocate, I mean, th there are people whose brand is authenticity, which is funny because that's kind of a oxymoron is for your brand to be auth authenticity. Because if you're really being yourself, you're like, not, it's being not a strategic brand. Enough. Right. Right. It's not a brand. And I think that people like she could be a Jennifer Lawrence that is so unpolished. And so like laughing at her own jokes and like drinking a ton and like tripping, but that you, that, 
they, they are tax payer funded. Like being a Royal is a job. Your life is your job. So there is a level of polish. That's an absolute bare minimum. But what comes with polish is an unrelatability factor. It, it's polarizing in nature. For sure. There's nothing she can do about that. The only time, because I actually did not really get on her team until her family was so terrible before the wedding. And I really like thought through it. But, but when they came out as dating and then got engaged and she did that interview, I think that interview was the worst thing she could have it ever done. It was so bad. It was so bad. It was so very forced. Very staged. Yeah. And the fact that she was like, oh, you know, I just like didn't know anything about the royals. And when my friend set us up, all I wanted to know was, is was he, he nice? kind? Yeah, I just, I can't with that. <laughs> that I'm like, is he kind? Like, are you kidding me? Like, th- that is the like hundredth question I'd have. I'd yeah. be like, yeah. So when he was in Vegas, like cupping his balls <laughs> naked, like, was that because he had just slept with a prostitute or I, like, was he just like having a general good time? I totally agree with you. That was the most cringeworthy interview ever. I mean, and honestly, the thing that bothers me most is her facial expression sometimes, like even, even during the photo call. And I, it was because mm. there were mm-hmm. photos. And so like, I think if it were just, regular life she wouldn't be acting like that but she was like very much like moving around and checking the baby as they were walking over and it just it it doesn't it It doesn't feel pose pose pose, right but like that's what I do as a living so I try not to hold that against her knowing that she's having these photos plastered all over the gd world like right all over the world so I try not to be so judgy about that but it is so hard to watch in like one percent of the world you and I are going to watch the entire press conference. Oh, for sure. <laughs> 99% are just going to see the photos. Right. So you play to the majority. And it is, it, I agree that, so, well, two things. One, well, just in case anybody's listening to this, like way later in the future, baby Archie was born Monday. Yeah. He was announced yesterday, Wednesday, May. What's the date? Uh, yes. Yes. Yesterday, May 8th, <laughs> they did their royal photo call. So a couple of things about the baby's birth. One is that they uh, typically there's, they announce it the day of, and like Kate Middleton did for all three, come, come out, out, do a photo op. You look right. nice. You have a fresh blowout. It's like weird to go from like crowning to glam, yeah. but like you just do what you got to do. <laughs> yeah. And everyone on the internet is like, let her live, let her nurse, let her bond. Yeah. Like, yes, I get it. But also again, their job is to be public and these children weirdly are part of this job and they actually do have to take it seriously and l- hearing people from the the press speak on Megan waiting a few days they were like this is unpre- uh, unprecedented unprecedented, yeah. unprecedented this is unusual and the press is frankly a little bit frustrated because it, it it's to have all of the perks and all of the funding and to pull back when people are the most interested feels unfair because yes, you're entitled to your privacy, but people are forgetting the other entitlements she has. Right. And I can see both sides as a woman. I'm like, hell no, would never, especially where white, right. especially I'm, go with sleeveless. I don't have kids, so I'm not, I'm not going to weigh in on that in terms of like she should or shouldn't do something. I think every, every woman should make that decision for herself, but I do yeah. agree that they are in a position where, I mean, they, they do have the power. Every woman has the right to make the decision yeah. in the face of free will. Right. She doesn't have that. 
And I think that's why there are rumors about people, her pissing people off is because she's trying to exercise free will in a system that is pretty controlling. Controlling. Yeah. Yeah. I get that. And, um, so she's domineering. She's American. She works too right. hard. So she wakes this up early. is all <laughs> contributing to her persona. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But with the, the baby announcement being a little bit awkward, it was supposed to be outside on the steps where they took that adorable engagement right, but photo the weather. Princess Jasmine bandeau crown. And the weather is bad. So they were inside. So they're in this like stark, the, the silence was deafening hallway with a red it was carpet. Very awkward. It was so unrelatable. unrelatable. Yeah. It was nothing. I don't, I really just don't think she would have wanted any of it. But if I were her, I wouldn't have the energy to care. It's just like, let's do that. Yeah. I mean, I, again, like you said, I feel like they had to do it. Right. And her probably doing it two days later was her trying to exercise her free will because one, she was probably too tired. She, Maybe didn't want to face the camera. I mean, like, I wouldn't know if she had a C-section or yeah, not. Like, like she, just she might not have been able to surgery. stand. Like, <laughs> right. the, and people are like, why wasn't she holding the baby? Maybe she couldn't. Like, right. maybe, I mean, you're not supposed to carry anything heavy if you do have a C-section. That's beside the point. But I do think that, I mean, yes, unrelatable, sure. But loved every minute. <laughs> histor- historical moment. I mean, first baby of like african american descent uh, 100% i mean it's just it's important i feel like maybe that cho- it may not have been their first choice cuz they were going to do it outside but they're going to get all those like crazy real photos somewhere you're going to get oh, those totally so, i don't know that didn't bother me as much i guess cuz you know it's coming anyway in other oh, yeah. forms so it ne- it doesn't bother me i feel like i can just tell when i know that wouldn't have been her first choice for sure i feel like she's such a she's so involved she's so aware and she's such a perfectionist and to her credit she probably doesn't have that energy right now but also what's so interesting is when you listen to different analysts like there's your editorialized opinion like just from being two fans and then there's kind of like the elevated discussion of the majority but then like you I was like trying to read what journalists were saying about that um the announcement and they were like oh it's not that deep she wasn't carrying the baby because she was wearing white and she wanted to represent this half jamaican half british designer and if she was wearing white and the baby was in that white it would have just completely like it would the baby wouldn't have stood out but is and that it's an something that she said Harry. or is that their their speculation of it but if these people are like royal experts right That's true so they're know. like look at kate's like stark contrast to x y or z and they're like um forever even though i feel like we don't really think of vegas harry um his the the theory is his pr people or his team is kind of like forever trying to combat that wild harry yeah yeah. he's a dad he's a dad and i feel like we started hearing about how badly he wants a family even free megan yeah and when he was like with cressy and chelsea and which one of their birthdays fell on the really? birth of Archie. Really? Yes, I want to say it was Cressida, but it she's could have my been favorite Chelsea one. She she was like she's chic and society. I follow one of breezy. them, the one who travels a lot. I follow on Instagram. It's probably Cressy. Chelsea okay. Davies kind of like uh, high school college romance. We all have one. It's like <laughs> at the time you think it's the best you're gonna get, oh, but then you're like, thank so God I experienced more. Yes, I'm sure she's nice. No, and I totally get <laughs> I totally get that though about Harry carrying the baby out. I mean, everything they do is a strategic PR It's move. choreographed. It's, it's all choreographed. choreographed. Yeah. And I think that's what people have to remember is it, it's 
so so much of the um, social noise is is putting yourself in her shoes as a normal person, but the reality is she isn't. She isn't a normal and person. And I think in that logic, you have you both. It allows you to both give her grace and critic judge be more critical because <laughs> yeah. it is a job, right? Right. So that was yeah. Yesterday that was like very exciting, and the only thing I I am obsessed with the name Archie. Have been since Amy Poehler named her kid one. Obviously, there's Archie comics in Riverdale and like all sorts of pop culture things. But also, I um, I think that well, I have a nephew named Archie who's like adorable too. But his real name is Archer. Yeah, I'm shocked. His first name's a nickname. Right. Yeah. I I feel like most of the like Elizabeth Holmes talked about it. I, I actually about, didn't I feel like a lot of her people uh, footage. I feel like a lot of people kind of feel the same way. I would assume so. Yeah. Anything IE is like, I mean, like if I were Katie or like, you think not it's a Catherine or something yeah. else. Right. Um, but Archibald's kind of a great regal name that's in the lineage. I'm hoping maybe eventually they'll give us a little more info on why they chose. I mean, Harrison is obvious. Yeah. But Archie, I mean, maybe it's just a name Harry liked or Megan liked. Right. Like that's a normal, just, relatable thing. <laughs> right. I don't know. We might never know, but I don't know. I feel like, Megan being the influencer that she was and being social media savvy. Right. I feel like we will get more tidbits, but got to spread out that media coverage, y'all. You're so right. <laughs> and you know how people are obsessed with thinking that she actually directly runs at Sussex Royal. Do you believe that? Um, I think that she definitely sees everything before it goes live. Yeah. Because a lot of the text things, or if she... If she doesn't, she has somebody who's writing it that includes American references yeah. and words and things like that. Right. And people will harp on the fact that she says like diapers versus nappies yes. or XO instead it's of It's so XX. wild. Yeah. It's so wild. I, like that, even I don't have that level of detail. And I feel like I have a lot of detail. Um, okay. Really fast. Just because I want to get your two cents on two cents sets of rumors okay. and I always like to address them even if you don't believe them because everyone asks and whatever okay one so, shockingly there are a lot of people that think Megan used a surrogate I, I I mean look at her face I know that's a terrible thing to say but like no, there's, she has gained weight in a normal way a like healthy in, way that's so great for her to show other women like she's yes, glowing 100 like, I do not think that's true it's such a it's such like a deep conspiracy theory because people you know say Amal Clooney did and like all sorts of things and allegedly when very famous people who have apparently been proven to use surrogates there it goes as far as to get filler in your face to emanate like, like kind but of like even the way her body. No, I'm with you. And I, 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 I only asked that a... because when I said cues for merit, 25 people were like, do you think she had a surrogate? And I'm like, that's so funny. Yeah. No, I really don't. And I think they just, uh, I think they are very attracted to each other. And I bet they just got, started humping like bunnies <laughs> right away. <laughs> right. Out, right out the gate. I if would start I, right away I, too. Yeah. I mean, not only does she probably want to have kids, but like, you want to have the seventh in line, the throne or whatever. I mean, come well, on. A big part of being in that family is, is producing children. Yeah. yeah. I mean, no, I don't, I don't believe that for a I, second, I wanted but. your hot take. Yeah. Cause I think, <laughs> I mean, I can go into the depths of the internet forums and people are just so insane. Um, 
because you know how people like with Be- with Blue Ivy, Beyonce like sat down on that talk show and her stomach like deflated. Did it? Yeah, I'll show you the video. Oh my later. gosh, I have to see. There's it. like uh, there, there's a lot of interesting surrogate stuff. Um, but she looks just like she them. Lo- she, yeah, it's it's I think yeah it's it's wild because a lot of the arguments too. It's like what all all of what you were saying I agree with because I think it's important to acknowledge the fact of how a woman's body changes when she's carrying a child because it has to accommodate it. And it's so important that women don't have unrealistic perceptions of women. And I think that even like, remember when Kira Knightley got in hot water because she said that she said that about Kate Kate Middleton. Yeah. Yeah. And I think what she meant was like, give Kate a break, but it came across as like, she's, you know, doing women a disservice. I think that Megan is actually so strategic that she would want to appear to have given herself the time and to not look. I think like it would almost be a strategy for her to be look like seem a little tired and out of it. And she did. She definitely did. Which is so understandable. But I think to her credit, that does more for her than it would to be extremely like perfect, like perfect and polished. And she looked a little sleepy. <laughs> of course. And of course, <laughs> my God, I, I mean, who would it Who be? Wouldn't be? I, yeah, like I, I don't know. I had like a late night watching, uh, catching up on Housewives and Kardashians, and the next morning, and I was like, I'm, I'm swamped. I can't. Like, I, and you didn't I just birth a child. Birth a child. Yeah, it's so hard to be, uh, picture perfect, video ready. Period. Much less on a global scale. Much less to articulate your thoughts. Also, I just well. realized something that is very dumb of me to have said because, again. I am not close to having kids. I don't know anything about the surrogacy process. I don't know anything about that. And I said, the baby looks just like them. Isn't that because the egg and the sperm are both from the parents? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm such an idiot. I'll y'all. cut that out. I honestly didn't even catch that. I thought you were saying. No, leave it in. It's relatable. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, well, technically the term, if it's your egg and his sperm, it's a gestational carrier and a surrogate would be one person's sperm or egg but the general public it's not the conventional wisdom so people say it incorrectly i mean so that, you're not insane i'm an idiot just forget but it. if you remember amal <laughs> clooney literally stick thin ankles thin face never looked different was shown two or three times during her pregnancy had twins which is very common for ivf i think that and then her and megan are like best friends and like they go to their properties a lot and like, i'm pretty sure megan rode back from her baby shower on amal's jet like i think that people want to think there's some like interior mafia crazy connection and i disagree um i also think that it's like it's so hard for me because i do love to read all the crazy stuff about the royal family with diana and whatever but then i'm also like no people are humans and they want the best for people and they wouldn't sabotage a situation and i just think I, i i have i go back and forth of believing that major fame money and power completely recalibrate your moral compass because you know what I mean? Yeah. Because I think that a lot of terrible stuff goes down for sure. But like when you get to the place of like suggesting somebody messed with the car's brakes, I'm like, do you really think that that was in everybody's best interest just for like the benefit of the Royal family? Just because they might've stepped out or whatever it was. But, and honestly, what talked me out of those theories too, because there's a lot of documentaries about them around the anniversary of Diana's death was watching the crown. (laughs) It's great show. Cause I, I empathize with QE too being seventh in line, being in her 20s, having, I, I, truly, 
majority of humans would have absolutely faltered in that role. And she absolutely embraced Took and it stepped on. up and has done it for like 70 years impeccably. Longest reigning monarch. I mean. And she's a boss. And I yeah. feel like I've just kind of written her off as being an old lady until the past two years. <laughs> it's easy to do because she is. She's a tiny little she's old lady, tiny. but she's strong as hell. And can, that's the other thing with royals is they don't get a chance to speak. Right. Which brings us to like on the, their own behalf. Like they do speak, but it's carefully scripted. It's right. formulated to fit the situation, like what charities they're promoting or whatever. It's never their own words, not ever. Exactly. And that's something I love to the point of Meghan Markle's fashion too, is that people trivialize, like, why do people care what she's wearing? Why is that the Meghan effect, the Kate effect? And this is something Elizabeth Holmes says a lot, is that in a job where you're so public yet have such a so few opportunities to speak for yourself. Your you're making a speaks. statement. Yeah. And your mannerisms and the choreography of your event, everything you're doing is your representation and the clothing choices are so careful. Yeah. I think that's what people don't realize. And I get frustrated with her misses. Yeah. But they're probably very strategic. And we'll, 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 I want to go through her year, especially in fashion, because I okay. think it's interesting. And I think I'm going to make a guide for people because it's hard, to, unless, unless the looks in front of you, it's hard to remember it. But once you see it, you're like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. These were so iconic or terrible. Because, <laughs> yeah, when we get to stripes in Australia, New Zealand, and Fiji, I lose my mind. I'm like, well, the stripes were tough. Which stripe? Oh, she wore oh. stripes constantly okay. in that trip, and they were all bad. The maxi, the shirt dress. It's all Martin Grant. It's all the, the same Martin designer. Grant. Yes. Okay. She know. does love olive. I've noticed. It's a it's color, so, and it's not my favorite color. So it's funny you say that because literally every miss I wrote down was olive. Olive. I'm telling. Like the Ralph Lauren, brilliant with olive. It, it's a crime. Is, is it? I think she looks great in olive, but I, think I love her wrong in color. occasion, wrong silhouettes. Like I love her in color. I love her in creams. Like all of the creamy neutrals. Yes. She glows. She really she does. looks great in it. So, the other thing too about Megan that um, I feel like has changed in my life and many of my Instagram followers' lives is when her makeup artist revealed that her dewy um, apples of her cheeks uh, is Aquaphor. Is it? Yeah, I vastly know my now. Like I don't use glitter highlighter anymore. It ages you. I do I know put... she uses some highlighters though. She does on occasion, but when she's trying to look like natural breezy, I'm talking with the kids or the dogs or the like okay. elderly. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like she doesn't want to be a glamazon. That's she puts aquaphor on her cheeks in her supernatural wedding look. She did not have on foundation and she had aquaphor on her cheeks. Honestly, probably unpopular opinion. I did not like her beauty look on her wedding day. Her hair, her makeup. I know that's probably I she looked be, she would look beautiful in a fucking paper sack. Like she right, looks good in whatever. She could wear no makeup. But I just felt like there was an element of it being disheveled. That her dress, like her dress was so, I mean, talk about the fit all you want, but I loved the cut of it. I thought that the yeah. kind of boat neck, not off the it's shoulder, right but idea. it's, it's a beautiful gown. Um, and so the disheveled look didn't, to me, go with the dress. Like I, I felt like it could have been a little bit more polished around her face, but I don't think that's unpopular at all. Okay. I think, <laughs> no, here's what's funny. You and I are such, oh yeah, we feel, um, yeah. you and I are both so incredibly pro Megan. I think she's so important for the monarchy. I think that in this era, especially there's nothing more 
important and empowering for young women to have an example of somebody who's not only biracial, not only was married before, not only has a, a background that's unfavorable to the family she's marrying into. It's like all of those things are important for women to use as a proxy to be like, I'm so much more than my past, than my baggage, exactly. than my background. Like, it's not about any of that. It's about who you are and your connection with the person. And, and I, what you're trying to do. And like what, what yes. you're going forward doing. Right. And that, like, to me is so incredibly moving and important. And I just, I love what she's doing to modernize a family that's on a global stage. And that's the, and I say that because a lot of what I'll say about her, like fashion and stuff is not favorable, but I'm not <laughs> hating on her. Right. Um, if anything, she doesn't make a lot of these decisions, but okay. So to start at the wedding to be determined, we still don't know if she has a stylist. She used to, she has to, Does she? I mean, she probably has somebody buying things, but I don't, I feel like that level of control, I feel like at this point, since her bestie Jessica isn't running the show, <laughs> I feel like she is maybe making a good percentage of those choices on her own. You think so? Yes, because she, but long before she was a royal, if you look at her outfits, some of, and Elizabeth Holmes talks about this a little bit, but the fit, the things, the, the questions on fit have mm -hmm. always been a problem. Mm -hmm. It hasn't just been since she was a royal or since she got pregnant. She's always sort of had an issue with her clothes fitting right or just choosing things that are right for her body. Everyone right. should wear whatever they want, by the way. I'm not telling you to wear things. No, but like but... tailoring as an art form exists for a reason. And I agree. Things are supposed to fit. And especially <laughs> now, her resources have expanded yeah. a million fold and like you said and like elizabeth holmes has said everything she wears makes a statement whether she's trying to do that or not so um her wearing something too casual or her wearing something that doesn't fit right i, I don't know i just no not at all i think that the well with the wedding well i have two questions one do you have coffee yes could i have a cup of coffee and then we start back do you at like the wedding? cold brew yeah. Okay. I like anything. Yeah. Let's do it. Yeah. As it relates to the wedding, it's so interesting to reflect on it a year later because one at the time, the week leading up, that was like, it's like as a consumer of drama and pop culture, it was like insane what was going on with the dad. And I mean, I can't with Thomas. As a human, I feel <laughs> horrible. As a spectator, I was like eating popcorn. Oh, of course. It's I was like, like a reality show in real life. Happening. <laughs> like the, your daughter, it, it, there could not be a bigger thing happening to a human period, much less your daughter. And you cannot step it up and figure your shit out. I, this is when I lost. I mean, I already hated her sister. Samantha Markle Ugh. can... Burn in Hell is probably too eh. aggressive. But... Do you watch Vanderpump Rules? No. There's this character with a heavy southern accent. She always tells people to rotten hail. Rotten hail! <laughs> like in hell is two syllables, which I love. But she's evil. <laughs> yeah. Like, she's actually evil. I don't... Like, maybe they had some, like, big argument at some point. I don't know what their actual backstory is, because I feel like everything coming out of her mouth is bullshit. But... Mm -hmm. She's the worst, and I feel like she's had a terrible influence on the dad, but regardless of what Samantha's influence is, he is her father, mm -hmm. and maybe it's because maybe it's because I've been very lucky to have the parents that I had and stepfather that I have, that I've never had a parent not being my advocate, mm -hmm. but to see this, it's like, this was a time in her life where she's obviously moving on to bigger and better things and doing something really his, like 
moving and historical and just, I mean, on the global stage. And you can't, like you said, keep your shit together long enough to be supportive of your own child. Right. I just, I, there's nothing that he can do now that will redeem himself in my favor. Like I can't. Or hers either. No, I mean, and he keeps talking to the press. Like if he had just not said another word, I feel like they would have established communication eventually. But like even this week, he hadn't really said much in a few months since the whole letter Mm -hmm. debacle, which, ugh. It only made her look great. I won't get into that. But he didn't have to comment on the birth. Like, no. He didn't have to say, I'm so happy to hear about, like, he didn't have to say anything. Right. Doria never says anything. Right. Learn from your ex-wife. She's so classy. (laughs) She is. She's amazing. And Uh, I mean, the thing with, uh, that's what's tough to, um, and I guess can't rationalize with irrational people. Totally. But with Thomas, to trade like him at an internet cafe, reading like Harry's Wikipedia page or whatever, (laughs) and to sell that to the paparazzi for a small sum of money. And I just feel like some friend or family member got in his head. It had to have been Samantha. Samantha. And he does seem a little bit malleable, but... um, for him to do that in lieu of a lifetime of trust from like the wealthiest family in the world, like he would have been fine. He didn't need that small sum of cash. If he was in her good graces, she would have taken care of him. If he had just followed Doria's lead, he would have gone to the wedding. He would be involved. I mean, it is clear that Megan and him were close for a very long time. That's confusing. It's very sad. The relationship, her talking about him beforehand. She talked about him in her, that cringy engagement interview very favorably. Yeah. And I'm like, how did this go sour and irreparably go sour so fast? I I mean, my guess, it has to be Samantha. I feel like she is a poison. She, I mean, whether he's malleable or not, I mean, he's your daughter. He's he's making choices and. I'm a little confused how that even happened because mm-hmm. if they were still talking, how he wouldn't have run that buyer and been like, is this a good idea? Should I do this? Like, were they not talking That's at that what point I think. already? I think they had an estranged relationship that she didn't want to seem. Maybe since they got engaged or something, yeah. like he'd asked her about stuff or yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, this is all speculation. Well, gossip, the letter. want to call it. No, I, I, I agree. I think that there, that is, there's something weird there that either their relationship was overstated or became estranged became, between yeah. the engagement and the wedding. Yeah. Obviously, right before the wedding, the, that was clear with him doing the staged pat photos and all of that, talking about it and pretending to get fitted like oh my god cringe. so cringy were they some people thought that thomas was never coming and that she didn't want him there and that that whole heart attack thing even was like kind of BS. orchestrated yeah because just a way to get him out of it but she I said think, i think it totally could have been honestly and, and it but it, it yeah and that kind of tracks and i thought that too but the laney said that the programs up until like were printed Thursday and had his name on it. And the programs they used because they didn't want to seem wasteful still had Thomas Markle in them. They never did a reprint of 600 programs. That's so sad. And so that she was like, I think that goes to show like they don't really like to misstep or have discrepancies. Like they wouldn't have done that if they 
didn't genuinely think, think he'd he make it coming. because like why the hell wouldn't you make it right <laughs> to your own daughter's <laughs> wedding God. and also a royal wedding at that but also why wouldn't they have had him come like two weeks before and like put him up kind of polished him up well Doria, him Doria got there like I know I, I thought before. that was weird too I, I mean, really I did. guess they have I mean they have their own lives yeah. I think I I just assume anybody in their circle needs media training and needs um, kind of a rundown of how, how things work. I mean, work. the training is don't say anything, yeah. which Doria clearly absorbed. <laughs> Rule number one not. about the firm, don't talk about the firm. <laughs> right. Um, in Doria, another thing about the family with the wedding, I just, I, I, I feel torn about her being by herself. I just wish she had a sister, friend, somebody that sat with her. She was alone watching her daughter Except get married. Prince, Prince Charles. Which that was, was cute sweet. at the end, but I I I see what. But you're Dory didn't have anybody's hand to grab. Like her watching, like Megan in the forefront and Dory in the background, thinking of what her mind must have been processing watching this. I mean, mind blown. Not all day only long, her all the live long day. Daughter being like the chosen one. Yeah, <laughs> but also the importance of the um, injection of black culture into that chapel and w- what that ceremony meant with the preacher and the choir and stand by me. I have goosebumps talking about it. Their outfits were unbelievable. Yeah. The, the, the message the whole thing was so important. And like for me to not be able to squeeze anybody's hand, I think it was like a little, just I, I, me projecting on her wanting the support of somebody there. Right. And I was I just surprised. Because it was in in Megan's section, it was just Doria and then like Serena Williams. I think that's partly how Windsor Cat or Castle Chapel, uh, St. George's Chapel is set up. Because if you looked at how the seats are, they have like kind of wood dividers between each seat. So it feels very much individual. Like they're separated. True. Like when they went there for Eugenie's wedding, even her and Prince Harry, Megan and Prince Harry, it, they just be, it feels separated like there's too much space for each person unlike at a normal pew at a regular church right um and so it almost seemed more isolating Interesting. um yeah it did it looked like a little maybe it looked sadder like even than it felt the oh what's her name uh, abigail spencer she was one of the few friends that was inside the was, chapel it was her so and serena close to yeah the front she she looked all alone. Yeah, you're <laughs> when right. When you looked at all of the video coverage and photos, it just seemed very, each person felt very separated from the next. Right. And so I feel like maybe that, in person, it may not have been as... That's interesting. And maybe, you know. too, it's so personal, you can't just, like, casually share it with somebody. With just a random person. Yeah, yeah. that doesn't and, get I mean, it. if her family sucks, like, yeah. who else? Like, Doria probably doesn't know all of those people very well. So, like, who would... Right. All that matters is the daughter. Right. I think too, what was interesting to me is like, you know, people were like, oh, invites are limited. Like she couldn't have had every aunt and cousin, but actually they weren't. And um, she had like apparently invites to spare and like Serena Williams publicist was there like in I the mean, back. Everything and is they were calculated. Po- they were pointing out how many like random tertiary people were there that like they weren't, you know, whatever that were kind of like the camp and crew of the people invited that I, just, I think it was like maybe a statement to just have her mom there. Um, but also, do you remember when at Eugenie's wedding, that footage that like everybody was talking about where Megan looked irritated talking With to Harry, Harry? Like she but was I snapping at him? I didn't, I didn't get think that. It, I didn't think it looked like she was snapping. I thought it looked no. like she was making a point. Yeah. Which I like strongly make points all the time. And my husband tells me sometimes it sounds like I'm angry, but really I just get like excited about 
what I'm talking about. And I, I mean, I'm to em- emphasize. I'm a prime example of this. Like if uh, it doesn't matter who I'm talking to, if there's something, if there's a point I need to get across or I'm just a blunt person. I don't know Megan personally. I don't know what she's like in real life, but maybe she's one of those people. You just don't know. You just like don't from know. looking at a camera, a camera shot, that was like a, a two second exchange. I know. And, and she yet just like moved so her hand. Yeah, I don't know. I, from my biggest tell on their relationship is how he talks about her. Because yeah. she's an actress, she can yeah. say she knows what she's doing, but he is way worse at masking his feelings. You can see it. He, you can see he gets frustrated. You can see when he gets flushed. Um, it's just more obvious when he, when he is a feeling. You could he wears mm-hmm. it on his sleeve. Mm-hmm. And so, like when he was gushing about his son on Monday morning, mm-hmm. like that, that was, was so candid and lovely, and it just like makes your heart ooze. Like totally. that was that was so genuine. Totally. And it's hard to say that Megan's uh, like speaking engagements are that because they are so scripted, but Harry's was not like he, he no. just was, he was so giddy. He was moving around. Like his hands were all over the place. He was class. He was just, he was like a, a schoolboy, yeah, So excited cute. about. It was cute. Yeah. I don't know. I just, I, I get more of a read of their relationship from him than I do from her because she is so media trained and interesting he, point while he's media trained. I just think he's a little less good at well, clearly. hiding his feelings. <laughs> he's less good at just like behaving you historically. Could just, <laughs> you could just tell he was such a proud husband and father. And he even said that. And I don't know the way he reacts to her. I feel like says a lot. I think it, I think that's a really interesting point. And I, I liked, I, I don't care if it's scripted or not. I just thought that the notion of her saying like, I have the two best guys in the world. Like, that that kind of colloquial casual talk is what like I need from a royal right on occasion and that's what Kate doesn't have right and I think that Megan's good at towing that line of being like a person but also like a really articulate person and what is also interesting that I've read a lot about is um, a lot of people's issue with Megan in the uh, people in the UK rather is that they see that their public engagements are part of their job. And that Harry and Meghan's, what they seem say is excessive PDA. They're like, you wouldn't go to a your job event. with okay. your husband holding really hands, kiss, da, da, da. And I'm right. like, I, Valid. Said, I would not Valid. touch him with a 10-foot pole. Okay. We would be very professional. And that's what Kate and Will do. Yeah. But the times when we, like, eat up. Or when they or do when that. They, they're, they're holding hands. There's one time in a, in, at the Queen's Garden party where a reporter overheard him call her babe and the world went <gasps> wild melt right and it's like everybody in their like everybody and their brother calls each other babe like right whatever but when they do it it means a lot and i think that what megan and harry know in a pandering sense is yeah i'm sure they're in love but i also think that maybe it's an element of her being american too it's that there's there's more to gain from them being affectionate than there is to lose, in my opinion. And right. I absolutely melt. And I totally understand why Will and Kate have have to do right. that. He will be king. Such a good point. She will be queen slash queen consort. No, she As won't. people tell me, I'm wrong. <laughs> so. People get really mad if you say Kate's going to be queen. People Imagine. get mad if I say anything that they think is wrong. And that's okay. I'm okay with it as long as... There are situations where I know I'm right, like today. But it's important <laughs> to remember during this broadcast, we are not journalists. We're highly editorializing based off of our own research. Yes. <laughs> and that's but lots it's of way opinions. more fun to listen to 
<laughs> Fun fact. Yeah, go listen to Piers Morgan. <laughs> like he spews fact. Oh, I can't. He's got a vendetta. He is a classic male bruised ego, man scorned. He's the at social Megan. climber because they were friends. And now that, I mean, sounds like Harry is the one who was like, don't talk to him anymore. Yeah, because he's like a bottom feeder. So why is why is Piers mad at Megan? Why is Piers not mad at Harry? Right, because he's an ego bruised man. So agree. Sometimes he's lucid. Sometimes (laughs) he makes. Sometimes okay. What I like about polarizing media figures is that sometimes they make great points. No one else will. But Piers' treatment of Megan is so unfair, and he's such a voice dick that he's dictated so much of the hate she gets. Totally agree. Um, we were talking about the wedding and then we got into their PDA, which is still relevant to their wedding because Kate and Will's wedding. I mean, I got up at four. It was, I was texting all my friends. I I was melting. I was crying. I was living. I was laughing. I was loving. I loved every second second of it, but compared to Megan's. So it was so stiff. She was uh, formal, formal. I mean, formal was so British. It was, it was perfect. And it was that what British it way and to, what it needed to be. It needed to be that way because of the position they're in. Yes. But, and that's why I think, again, this is why I think Megan is the more relatable mm-hmm. royal because she, she, while she is very constrained in what she gets to do, they are not, I mean, they're, they're going to have just as many, if not more engagements because of the fact that, Prince Harry will likely not be king. He mm-hmm. doesn't have as much of pressure to do specific things or not speak politically about things or whatever, but he'll still have a lot of engagements. Mm-hmm. But they get a little more flexibility. Like, I yes. feel like that's why their Instagram page is going to be really interesting to Can't watch wait. because maybe Megan's not in full control, but she's definitely running a little bit of the show there because the text screams her. It sounds like very the deliberate. Oh, for sure. And now that there's a baby, I mean, I I know this will probably never happen, but I half hope she like occasionally will show um, a photo of like the kids like playing oh, outside or I her having pray. tea or whatever. I, I just, just want couple, an inside look. Just a couple little social things. It doesn't always have to be charitable. <laughs> like let's see the no. real stuff. They don't even know how what that would do. Because here's the problem. British people would hate it. American people would love would it. Would love it. But <laughs> also, people are like, that's not the point. But it's like them doing this, like the PDA and doing things that maybe are unusual is what spikes the interest in press. Like they're evolved. buying magazines. They're subscribing to websites to get more information. Stimulating the economy. Right. <laughs> you're like, really thinking about evolved. it. Evolve. I think that like the, my biggest hang up with royals is that so much of what people value and obsess over is in that history and protocol. But I think that it's a mistake any time a society thinks that evolution isn't necessary. And I think that if they're going to be represent be the people, relevant. be relevant and use taxpayer money, they do need to reflect current times. And current times are more touchy-feely. Right. And I think that and like, more open and, more and open. share more and not so rigid with everything that they do. And I feel like Meghan and Harry are a great representation of that. Maybe subtle change, but and I don't want them to lose that. No. And I think what scares me is that it's funny because when we were to, like in kind of rereading stuff to prep for this podcast, 
I forget that people don't like Megan. Like, cause I, I just think she's so great yeah. and, and, and individualized decisions or not overall, like we said, unicorn in terms of a, a diverse background, a unique perspective, an articulate woman, a feminist, a person with a great representation for women paired with the fact that she's incredibly articulate and well-suited for the role paired with the fact that she was already a philanthropist. Yeah. And like before you went before she met Harry, before I met Harry, I'd be like, I was at a soup kitchen once. Like, I don't know, you know, I I do volunteer work, but it's not like, it's not, I I wasn't doing, I wasn't making speeches. She was actively trying to make a change when she was 11. Right. (laughs) What? And it's what was I doing when I was 11 playing pogs? Yeah. I got reminded of that game from listening to Potterless, which is a, hysterical potter oh my god you need to listen to potterotica my friends have this really successful podcast and they're done now where they read um like erotic fanfic of diehard harry potter fans i'm into it and they've never read it before and the fun it's like my dad wrote a porno that it's like they are reading it for the first time and it's just so insane how detailed and earnest these people are. What were you saying you learned from Potterless? Uh, the, well, no, I didn't learn it, but he just reminded me sort of like the 90s nostalgia you were talking about oh, on your right. podcast. He mentioned Pogs. Do you remember? Uh, <laughs> yeah, of course. Uh, I had a slammer with a skull and crossbones on it. I mean, I don't remember. I have a terrible memory, so that's why I made notes for this podcast, and I haven't really looked at them at all, but just in case I need to well, reference them. That's what's them, so funny. It's people never do. And, but I want people to feel prepared, but realize that they're so good off the cuff. Yeah. Like, you're so it always, good. It, 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 it is better. You know this but... stuff so well. Um, and yeah, we were talking about how Megan you know, fought Procter and Gamble and was like a UN but ambassador. But that's what I was, po- like Pogs. Right. What we, was I doing then? I, anything I was doing then to be on video, like she was with on Nick News with Linda Ellerby, which I did watch on Sunday nights. Um, don't remember that segment, but that, like, it, she is so well slated for the role, even though she didn't know she was ever going to be there. And to your point, even though I disagree with Kate being groomed, Kate was raised in a way that she was well prepared for like anything high society right megan to behave that way in the absence of this sort of future is a testament to character because it's what you do when people aren't watching right exactly and i think that that's where people need to really write off that whole social climber thing because she was doing this stuff way before it mattered and she was married before and like got and also we we cannot like we cannot come after people who get themselves out of the wrong relationship before they have children especially like that's so honorable like we all make mistakes. We all, people marry people that they aren't who they think they are. People, it's so important that women have an example of somebody who like makes the right decisions for themselves, even if they aren't, you know, popular or what conventional wisdom wants you to do. Like, she's relatable. She's relatable. At the end of the day, she's not perfect. She's just like everybody else. She just happened to end up meeting Prince Harry or being set up with him and like you know really lucked out like that's great do you Good know how you, that girl. happened by the way i did a deep dive in wasn't it a setup yes okay there is a debate whether it's between misha nunu mm-hmm. nunu whatever love her stuff by the way but, i always say nunu is that not right well it's spelled n-o-n-o-o so i don't know but okay, no, no. up for debate but um it's her or another girl that worked i want to say maybe it wasn't ralph lauren but i feel like somebody who worked for another label who knows harry that set them up there's a debate of which woman was responsible but they met for the first time at soho house i think it's a hundred percent misha and i think that what's interesting about misha is that she 
was now no longer married. She's now engaged to Mikey Hess, the of very Hess heir, wealthy, yes, man. best friend of Josh <laughs> Kushner, brother of Jared. Josh mm. married to Carly Gloss, former uh, alleged uh, girlfriend of Taylor uh, Swift. I love that theory so much. <laughs> not even I a live, theory at this point. It, I mean, it is so hard and fast. I cannot even believe they try to pretend it didn't happen. I I kind of love it. I I'm obsessed with it. I think it's like it's it could be again. It's it's not relatable but it's like they're normal human beings <laughs> yeah no it 100 percent. it's like yeah i i think that happens more often than people think because people think it's something they should push down and not right. talk about but like talk about it yeah like people would love you all the more for yeah. it um but what what so with misha she was married to a like high society dude that went to school with william and harry basically she's really good friends with eugenie and beatrice and her husband went to school with Terry and William. And Megan had been at the same wedding as Misha and Eugenie and Beatrice. And there's like all these traces of Megan being in the same place as royals and royal adjacent people. And if her and Misha are as best are as close of friends as they claim to be, there's no way in hell they didn't. She wasn't hyper aware that Misha knew, knew Harry. Harry. Yeah. So that is where that interview gets murky. But I can see her being coached to seem nonchalant, unassuming. I would be too. Megan. I'd be like, yeah. yeah. I'd be like, oh, I don't know. Like, whatever. And it was cute when Kate was like, oh, sorry, I didn't have William's poster on my wallet. It was like the Jordash jeans guy or whatever. Yeah. That was like kind of an iconic moment. And the problem is Kate was nervous and meek, which is relatable. Megan was polished, but um, insufferable. Yeah. And, but anyway, so... It is on the record that Megan was at the same wedding with Eugene, Eugenie and Beatrice and Misha and her husband, friends of these guys, several years before I believe Megan was married. That's the only sketchy thing is that like she kind of knew that they were in the same circles, and I wouldn't. But they that, hadn't. Maybe they hadn't really met yet. They hadn't. Or maybe they met. met in passing. So my point is more so that she was highly aware of this connection, and that I, you could say they weren't that close, except. Megan, at her very first public outing at the Invictus Games, was wearing a Misha Nonu husband shirt, husband shirt which love is it. iconic and important, and yeah. I love the shirts. And I feel like that was the ultimate statement, that this is, like, yes, we're She's dating, yeah. and this is the connection. And I feel like that was one of those undercover, deliberate things. I mean... That's just my two you, cents. You could be right. Um, Not okay. arguing with that. So, follow, okay, the last thing I'll say about the wedding is... Um, she went through all of that trouble to have all of the Commonwealths represented on that veil. It took women millions of hours to make and hand stitch. To have put so much time, effort for it to be special, for it to be a surprise for Harry, for it to be a statement about the Commonwealth countries, and for her to leave it up to Jessica Mulroney's twins to like do a garbage job of fanning is something I will never get over. Okay. So she had that huge veil, and the oh, little uh, boys didn't held it and, and walked with her and you dropped see it. it. And yeah. then you don't have a maid of honor or bridesmaid standing up there, so nobody fixed it. And I it, feel the like photos that should have been so Jessica's job. Bad. And that's my question. If you're Jessica, would do you get down from your little individualized, like standardized testing pod and like come fan her veil? But it's not like her role. She was in the stands at that point. I mean, I guess that's what happens when you don't have a wedding party, though. I mean, and. Yeah. Uh, the only person that helped Kate was Pippa, which makes sense. It's her sister. She did a great job. She did a great job, but Megan doesn't have a sister. She's yeah. an evil half-sister straight out of True. 
fucking Cinderella. <laughs> no, true, oh like God. trolls. And uh, I think, and I'm, I'm going to give you guys a visual, visual aid, because when I look at the, the gorgeous altar photos that for Kate and Will are so iconic, for Megan and Harry, that veil is scrunched. And like the every scalloped edge was supposed to mean something. And it just upsets me from a standpoint of like, the artistry that went into it versus them leaving it in the hands of a six-year-old. But, you know, people also said that, and I mentioned fit earlier, about her dress. Okay. About it not fitting right. And there, I I have a couple of things. One is in favor and one is against that argument. She was sitting in a car for like 10 minutes. Mm Mm-hmm. And Do you know she was running 15 minutes late and they had to make up for time? No. So they, they were flying. If you rewatch that procession, she was supposed to be going like five miles per hour and waving. It they was, were flying. Uh, Isn't that fascinating? But, yeah. but she was on time at to the second. There you go. And that, but that's the whole point of the fact that she was so precise. Why would that be done on purpose? Right. Well, you, you know she had a fitting that week. Yeah. People could scramble and the night before. Like and, I know you can lose. I've done it. I've lost a few pounds in a week if I was really desperate to make it happen i know i could do it but to the extent of how her dress didn't form fit i have been told that it is a deliberate with the aubrey i mean she's apparently this is what we have learned that she's very inspired by audrey hepburn and the dress Mm -hmm. is no different in that regard her dress was not super fitted either so the Mm -hmm. general consensus amongst people who believe that that was the inspiration is that it wasn't meant to be super form fitting hmm. and it looked wrinkled because she was seated in the car, mm-hmm. which makes sense. It's Wrinkles, like Duchess whatever. satin or whatever yeah. it is. I don't know fabrics. I'm the worst. I'm the worst <laughs> blogger that exists. I don't know all the fabrics, but I mean, I have gotten negative comments for wearing a linen dress on my blog. That's wrinkled. It's like, girl, I got to drive in my car to go shoot this somewhere. It's going to get wrinkled. Yeah. It's linen. Like, things get wrinkled of when course. you sit. It makes sense that it wouldn't look... Like, the lace that Kate wore, it, that doesn't wrinkle. No. She wrote in a car. dress was wrinkled. Right. So, it's, it's natural that that would happen. It's unfortunate because that's what you see in the photos, of course. But I don't think that her dress was a terrible fail. I just think that the fabric with the combination of her riding in a car... With the combination of maybe it not being form-fitting like people thought it might should be, but maybe that's not the look she was going for. Hmm. I don't know. I am probably wrong. interesting devil's advocate point. I could easily be wrong. I did not hate the dress. I thought it was beautiful. I thought it sucked that it was wrinkled. I did not love that her hair was in her face. I did not think... I I feel like there are so many other events where she looked so much more beautiful. Um, like I love, and not that she would wear her hair down for her wedding, but like the Amelia Wickstead black dress that she wore in Dublin, her hair was like these like vintage fifties mm. waves. And it was just breathtaking. She looked so beautiful there. Her makeup was very simple, not overstating at all. It was very subtle, but she looked brilliant. Like if I could recreate that, I would mm-hmm. do it. No, I agree with you. There, there's been so many times where I'm, I'm like gasping audibly how beautiful and she is. That's, but to your point about the Audrey thing with, yeah, okay. So if I'm being photographed for like the local news, 
I have on a full lash, a contour. I am like RuPaul's Drag Race. Like <laughs> I am ready for HD. Yeah, layered up. Yeah, but well, a a testament to her natural beauty. B, people say like she really a wanted to, and B, you're not supposed you're supposed to be like a little understated in the church, whatever. Right. Her skin is flawless, and I love her freckles, and like I love. She I, loves to show those. She, she said loves, that before. Yeah, yeah, and that's like an important thing to her. And I and I like am so on board. Agreed. The um part, yeah, they're the, the two my two hangups that really disappointed me. I will never understand that tailoring. It wasn't just the 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 bodice or the shoulders. It was the sleeves, like the awkward three quarter length and the looseness of the sleeve. And like that dress could have been so sharp. It really it could have been so mm. sharp. And like. I would never complain about the silhouette, the boat neck, the fabric. It, Claire White Killer is a freaking so genius. So is it the sleeves that really grind your gears? Um, I think, yeah. I, okay. I, I, this, I feel like I need to go back and look at it the now. The sleeves really, really bothered me. And, okay. I, and like, she's such a trim woman. Like, it's I not mean, like like I center said, fit. She could wear a paper sack. Yeah, but mattered. Yeah. It just like, it looked, I, and my concern was, you know, if my dad had sold stories about me and backed out of the biggest wedding in the in like history of the world, would I have lost weight? Probably. Oh, for sure. But when I said that on Instagram and such, people were like, she has the world at her disposal to literally be she, crafting her a new dress last before. minute. Yeah. So part of me is like, there's so much we'll never know. Was that her first choice? Did she lose weight? Did she X, Y, Z? Like what, you know, some people were like, was she already pregnant and didn't know? Right. But obviously now we know she wasn't. No. Um, but that the fit of that dress, I just I find inexcusable, <laughs> and I I I I just wish I would love to see somebody render on Photoshop what that could have looked like if it fit her body. If it had fit better, yeah. Secondly, the hair in her face yeah, that was so absurd. There is a time to be breezy, and there is a time to be an undone chignon, and that was that not was it. Not on purpose, and you the, don't think? the hair guy tried to make it sound like it was. It wasn't falling in her face before she walked in, but I mean. Have you been to England? It's windy there. It is like, windy. It was not secured properly. I feel like he was getting defensive and maybe like trying to establish that it was what she wanted. Right. But no, no, but, I do not believe that for a second. I feel like it fell out of her face or fell, fell her, <laughs> I feel like it fell out of the bun or whatever it was. And it, because it was windy or they didn't use enough product or whatever. I don't feel like that was intentional for it to be but that she does breezy. that a lot. And that photo, the best wedding photo. The dress was so formal. That's why I feel like the hair didn't make sense. No, I agree. The hair never made sense. I I think even with the hair pinned properly, it didn't really make sense. But the the best wedding photo they have on the back steps of Windsor Castle, where she is looking up, like gazing, and they're sitting, they're like sitting, he's sitting, he's laughing, and she's looking at him. She has two specific pieces of hair dangling that were styled for that photo. And I'm like, I think that that's what she wanted and it didn't land. And like in the moment and in the wind, she kind of like put it behind her ear. And she it always looked, does she that. Always it does irritates that. me so much. And in, <laughs> but leading up to the wedding, there was a few missteps like looks wise that she corrected after she got married, which is I think when you get like the budget in the camp. Right. Um, one was a January, 2018, unfortunate street vendor looking scarf. Oh, was it the was it the black one or the beige one? Beige. Okay, Woof. I know what you're talking about. It yep. was. It, it, it looks like it, she doesn't know how to tie a she scarf. Doesn't know how is to what tie I've a learned scarf. because the black one was bad too. Yes, two the, of the scarf times she hasn't worn a scarf yes. since. 
opposed to engagement. Uh, because people like me tore her apart. It's on the terrible. I mean, I could do an entire two-hour podcast on this scarf. If, if you're if you're gonna wear a scarf, a don't have it be like a frayed edge street vendor scarf that's more of a square than a rectangle. Cashmere. Yeah, it, it, like truly have it be a fine fabric. Soft, from a great British designer, soft, yeah. cascading. Nothing that just like pokes out at weird spots. Like it needs to just exactly. lay, lay flat, lay loose, whatever. And we wear scarves for two reasons: fashion or function. If it's cold whatever great but that wasn't a Bundle. warm scarf it wasn't a warm scarf it was, it was thin it was that yeah, weird could, thin linen-y yeah. almost fabric and um i think that at a point i, I just think with scarves you she go for volume time, you go but, yeah. for flow and volume yeah. and it's like cozy and it's neck up and you're like cold it, and it just it didn't work and that scarf killed me and it didn't match the other one she did wasn't great either but at least it blended with her outfit because it was all black yeah but that scarf era was the same as her um front pieces era with her hair oh and yeah. when before she got married when i remember she still does that though she like, does it but red, not as bad the red coat purple dress she doesn't use the hand that's closest to the hair she uses the hand that's opposite your crosses her face dead on it's so strange to me the that i'm glad you brought that up because you're right even I posted this video because it was proof um, of her in that, the, the, you know, kind of aggressive color block, purple and red, Ursula yes. of it all. The, um, Always playing with her hair. Always. She literally, it was, a, it was like a 30-second period where she was talking to people and people, there was like rapid-fire photos. She put her hair behind her ears. Then she break, released talk, it again. Released it from her ears, break. I think it's... Moved one piece. Break. I mean, it's obvious... It's obvious she's doing it for photo options. I feel like... No, you're so right. You, th you think that's what it is, yeah. right? I didn't think about it, but yes, it, it is. Like, it, because now comparing it to... Because now there are options. They don't all look the same. I mean, this is, this is mind-blowing, but literally I feel like her entire life now is going to be that. Like, she's... It is yeah. how she looks in photos. That is yeah. kind of it. Well, and comparing it back to the... Um, to baby Archie's debut when I like really hadn't seen them do a quick photo op like that announcement wise Three since minutes. the engagement <laughs> and the engagement was breezy because she was new yeah and she really was just like being normal but this was like pose work cover girl and that's what that uh purple coat thing was and Elizabeth Holmes po pointed that out she was like watch her put her hair out and I think that like the problem with that royal wedding well the other piece of this too that i wanted to ask you about is people saying that she did not want that tiara i thought it was a great tiara it was very princess I, jasmine i like a bandeau style more so than an elaborate style i don't i don't know it's it's hard to know what is true and false yeah because all of it is speculation it's royal insiders it's royal right. it's inside sources like who's to say again we never know who the sources are it could just be someone who doesn't work I mean, you, you would hope that news outlets have more integrity than to just ask somebody on the street who, no, like, don't. knows somebody who works at the... Right. I don't, there's got to be a better way to do it, and I'm sure that that's the case. And so that's why I'm not going to say all the rumors are false. I'm sure that there is some, some validity to, some, to most of the things that are out there. It's probably all super exaggerated. Mm -hmm. So, like, this one, I don't see Megan especially before marrying into the royal family, throwing a fit. She's no, much she smarter than, than that. that. If she wants to be in the firm, she's going to play her part right up until the very last I do. Like, 
she is she's just, not an idiot. So she much, literally yeah. made it this far. Like, why would she mess it up on a tiara? Yes. Like, that's why, that's why I find it, if she is so calculated, as everybody says, she's not a moron. She's not going to, like, ruin what's happening for her over a tiara. Right. Maybe she asked about a tiara, and the queen said no because of the Russia thing. It I me- think she wanted Eugenie's. Maybe that it maybe, was emerald. Remember, it was like it looked very Megan. That was my only thought. Is maybe right? I mean, I, and Eugenie should get first pick. I agree. I feel like she's already she's already she is like a Blood. born and bred royal. Like it makes sense. Um, I don't think there was like a, a hysterics about no. it. Or when Kate cried because of the Charlotte's dress. No, that whole story was so stupid. That was dumb. I mean, they may have had a disagreement at some point, but again. Before the wedding, I feel like Megan would have been on her very best behavior. Who, if she's as social be. climbing and conniving as people say, she's not a moron. <laughs> like she's right. trying to get in there. Again, long game. What we were saying with Thomas Markle. You have more to gain being in somebody's favor long term than what benefits you in the short right term. Right now. Yeah, he's and an she's, idiot. And she's got that. She, she knows better. Right. And, and we've like DM'd about this too, especially when people are very like team Kate or team Megan rivalry, which we didn't really talk about, but I think we're both on the same page in that team both as a we're team both and B I think if anything, it has to do with the brothers. And I think if anything, it has to do with, you're going to meet a lot of women in your life who aren't your best friend. And it doesn't mean you don't like each other. It just means you don't vibe. And it just means that you get along when you see each other. And if that, you may not stay in touch all the time when you're not together. Case, who cares? And I don't think it's as chilly as people make it out to be. No. I think that they are fundamentally different people. It's an LA girl and a Posh, born and bred yeah. British, like blue blood person that was groomed to be in high society. And Kate is a rule follower and she has to be because she'll be what's it? Queen, queen, con- queen consort, consort, whatever. <laughs> and Megan doesn't. So she doesn't have to change. And yeah sure, if I were Kate, I might be a little bit bitter that she gets to wait a few days or she doesn't have to wear restrictive clothing or she can talk about feminism, whatever, but maybe. Kate's just, but Kate also has bigger fish to fry. She has kids, she has she's a life. also just as smart, just as intelligent, like beautiful, knows what's up. Yeah. She's, she's not trying to cause drama that's unnecessary. It doesn't help her in any way. I don't know. I I feel like the tabloids pit women against each other, regardless of whether they're royals or celebrities or, I mean, I feel like it happens in blogging too. I mean, yeah. every, it's just the nature of, unfortunately, the business. Yeah. Um, but I feel like both women are intelligent. They're thoughtful. Um, they know what they're doing. They're yeah. not trying to feed into rumors like that. They're trying to avoid rumors like that because that's extra shit that they have to deal with. Like, right. Nobody wants that. And I just like don't know. I guess maybe I'm speaking anecdotally, but I don't know people that are just like, no, I will not go there. Like, I'm just like, what grown ass woman is like, I know like, yeah, on the housewives and stuff, this exists. Throwing but a like, tantrum. Throwing a tantrum. Like, I think this is where the rumors for me don't add up logically. And like them bringing in her work ethic as a problem. It's like, I know you guys do it a little differently over there, but if you're, if you're mad at her for doing that, then be mad at me too. Because like, that's a relatable quality to me. I was going to say, when you read that one article about her assistants quitting, you were probably like, 
oh, is this like my life story? Yeah. Because she was like, <laughs> they're like, she wakes up early. 5 a.m. She has a plan and she follows up with all of the people like, that I she don't, works with. I don't, like how the tabloids are able to turn something that's actually positive, yeah. that a woman really wants to work hard and do make some changes and do something big with their life. How is that a problem? It's like not. there's always, a, they always find a way to turn something positive into a negative or turn something that's nothing into something huge like they just ugh. and even though people like us love her and want the best and see the best in her i can't ignore if, if, if i she, don't to be fair i don't love is a strong word because i i feel like i want to absorb all facets of her i do yeah. love things about her there are things that obviously i don't love everyone i mean there are things well, right. about her like the cringeworthy interviews and sometimes it yeah. feels a little too forced but as a whole, I feel like she's trying to do good, and I feel yeah. like she's like a human being, and she sh- she doesn't deserve to be attacked on social media like she is. Like I feel like that's my stand. Just yeah, that clear. I'm not just like a total stand. No, as I th- you would say. No, totally. I th- I think that we're on the same page, and this is how I feel about feel about Taylor Swift too. Is I have enormous respect for people who maintain grace under pressure who have a largely positive contribution, all things aside, if you net positive in your contribution to society, to philanthropy, to women, to children, to just like what you, the alternative of what you could be doing. It's like people give Kylie a hard time for being a self-made billionaire. Do I love the term self-made as an entrepreneur? No. No. Do I think she could also have gone Rob's route? Yes. And is it great that she didn't? Absolutely. I want to give people credit the when, benefit of the doubt. Yes. All of that. Always. Um, and I love, I think I love Megan's potential for, you know, what she can be doing for the royal family in the future just because it's so much entertainment for me. But I agree with you. I have, there's been a few things that have really been tough. And I think especially um, the rumors aren't, the, the, the time around the New Zealand tour when she announced the pregnancy and she was cradling the belly and all the assistants that were quitting. That was so too much. It was too much and it was a storm. And in part of me was like, I mean, where there's smoke, there's fire. It's kind of how I feel about the affair rumors right now. I'm like, I don't want to believe it, but I also don't want to be a naive person that thinks that a person's only going to react in a direct opposite um, way because you love that person. Like you want to. Yeah. Like I want to believe William is so shook by Charles and Diana's issue with infidelity and the media and all these things that he would act in opposition to it but oftentimes people repeat that's, patterns it's true it's more common yeah all right guys i hate to be this person um but i'm gonna cut it off there we're going to do i'm gonna put up a part two hopefully thursday i don't i don't want to overpromise. it just takes a long time to edit and with th- this recording i had new mics and i'm having to do a ton of like weird audio engineering that i am not equipped to do so bear with me, but part two is super juicy. That's why I saved it. We go more into the affair. We talk about our William and Harry mad at each other, our Kate and uh, Megan mad at each other. Where is the tension? What, what do we think is actually happening? Merit, you know, gives some inside scoop on what she's heard about the affair. I say what I've heard and read, what tips I've been given. We go deeper into some of the juice, but we also more importantly go into a lot of the fashion and kind of talk through some of the decisions as it relates to Megan's pregnancy and her tailoring and we go through a lot of the misses and it's kind of funny and now like I said in the intro we know she didn't have a stylist which is so wild still to think about but uh and I still don't know if I believe it because why would her assistant be fired like right after that tag was left on that red dress in the 
Australia, New Zealand, Fiji tour. But anyway, so please come back for part two. I'll announce it on Instagram and on Be There in Five podcast Instagram. It's at Be There in Five F I V E at Be There in Five podcast. Also follow Merit at at Merit Beck two R's two T's and uh, at Sussex Style Watch. And yeah, I hope you'll join us for part two. It's just as good, if not better. Because then you get to all the topics like toward the end of the convo where you're like, wait, one more thing. Wait, one more thing. And we kind of like made sure we got all of it out. It was so much fun because I think two people that really genuinely love this stuff who often find themselves in environments where people could care, could not care less about the Royals. We were just like so excited to be chatting about it. And yeah, as always, if you like this podcast if you're new to this podcast please come back we do a kind of hybrid of pop culture deep dives and kind of stream of consciousness observational humor general musings about what's going on today and also a lot of 90s and 2000s pop culture and um it's it's an all-around good time easy listening i am working so hard to make this grow so i can keep doing it so please 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 tell a friend share it on instagram Tag at be there in five at be there in five podcast. I'll reshare your stories if you're private. Reminder, I can't see. And uh, yeah, spread the good word so we can keep going. And I've been having so much fun having conversations with interesting people or deep diving into topics. I want to keep doing that, which does require an element of travel. I could do Skype interviews, but I don't know. I just I think things come to life in person, and um, I'm going to try to keep doing that if I can, at least for an episode or two a month. Also, please join Be There in Five's podcast Facebook group. It's a private group. It's truly the happiest place on the internet. People are so civil and cool. And the second they're not, I'm like, you know, gonna pump the brakes because I'm in so many groups, which I love for entertainment because I love to watch it go down in the comment section. But nothing that my name is on, I have any interest in watching it go down in the comment section because I fully believe adults can civilly talk to one another and acknowledge that there's an element of conveying tone on the internet that one has to understand before like lashing out at people. Um, so look for Be There in Five podcasts, totally casual, breezy Facebook group, I think is what it's called. I'm so weird. Um, and I also have it linked in the show notes. And I also have linked in the show notes my book, Twinkle Twinkle Social Media Star, my Etsy shop and website, Merit's website. And yeah, just support us if, if, you, if you feel up for it. And thanks again to Innovative Med Spa in Chicago at Fullerton and Ashland who does all sorts of IPL, photofacials, injectables, microdermabrasion, micro-needling, laser hair removal, they the injectables, they do it all. I'm a new customer. Well, I've been going for a couple months now. And uh, when we talked to them about sponsoring the podcast, they were so supportive and awesome. And I just got back from there today. As I mentioned in the last episode, I am, I am forever repenting my many years in the tanning bed because I wanted to like be bright orange for a fraternity formal by my friend who was taking me out of sheer obligation because he felt bad that nobody else invited me. That happened twice. Um, I'm like, why did I think I needed to be like hot stuff? Truly, I think I was at Chick-fil-A so much during college that I just thought like for every minute I tacked on to the amount of time I like stayed in the tanning bed, I, a pound I would lose. And it just, it doesn't work like that. And now the photos are just like more to buy. Yay. Oh yeah. And if you um, want to hear my controversial <laughs> thoughts on the royal baby announcement, 
I don't know. I like I, I give these hot takes that I like want to take back. I just I, Patreon is my safe space where I'm hoping, you know, without judgment and without repeating, you'll just take my offhanded commentary that I don't want to like. It's not a hill I want to die on, but it's something I want to talk about. Um, so if you want to hear my opinion on the baby announcement um, at Windsor Castle with Harry, Megan and Archie, go to patreon.com slash be there in five. Patreon's just a portal where you can privately support content creators who either don't have a lot of ad revenue or just because out of the goodness of your own heart. And Patreon is just a place where just like Netflix, Hulu, whatever, you spend your money on things you like, want to support and want consistent content from. You do the same there. A dollar is a listener. Two ninety five is a fan. Four ninety five is a super fan. It's a monthly fee. Hopefully you can see it as nominal relative to the other things we pay for because it like really makes a difference in my life if I'm bringing you value week- weekly, which I would hope I am. If not, very sorry. Uh, please email podcast at be there in five.com to tell me how I can help. And I know it's like so annoying to grovel and beg and be like, I don't make money. Will you subscribe to Patreon? Like, trust me when people say this stuff over and over, I'm like, I get it. All right. Subscribe. Review. Shut your pie hole. But the thing is, I got to say it because when like, I don't know, I just want to make sure I can keep doing it, you know? And if I was never saying any of these things and you didn't realize like, how much I needed to keep moving forward and to make it make money and to make it um, actually be a part of my job that's that warrants spending time on it to take time away from other revenue generating activities. If I didn't say that you wouldn't understand like the importance of it. And it's I, I wish it was just like fun fluff money that like I could use to get tugboat swim lessons. But I kind of want to. We've never taken him swimming and I feel a little bad about it. But also he like plays dead in the bath. And it's not great. So uh, we'll see. <laughs> but anyway, just so just want to reiterate why this means a lot to me and why I say these things. And it's not in vain. It's not to be a pain in the butt. And it's not that I have like a ton of existing income and don't need this. Very much a part of my livelihood. Your support means the world. End rant. <laughs> but thank you again for joining. Love you. Mean it. Come back for part two. It'll be great. I'm so happy you're here. And as always, let me know your thoughts and I will let you know mine. I'll be there in five. I swear. I